That was fantastic. Uh, we are so grateful for Ian and his leadership in our student ministry and uh, the time and uh, energy that he gives to that. But we're grateful for our students as well. Uh, we have some students who want to follow hard after God and they love to worship and they love to encourage one another and building great relationships. And so parents, if your kids are here for our student ministry, thank you so much for having them here. If not, then you want to get them here because God's doing a work uh, among our teenagers and uh, we are so grateful for that and they get to sumo wrestle uh, as well if they're part of our students a couple of those couple of those hits look real and uh, even malicious so I, I hope nobody was injured uh, during this weekend but uh, so thankful for you thankful for uh, our small groups and other people who volunteer to provide meals over the weekend and serve our students it's just a fantastic uh, weekend and so if Ian and some of our other adults look a little tired today that's why I left early last night so I, I feel great I, I don't know how they feel I feel great um, most of us may, maybe all of us have probably visited a, a, a historical site uh, a site where something significant happened in the history of our nation or even the history of the world you know there's kind of an odd feeling you're You've read about these places, maybe you studied them in school, you watched a movie about them, a documentary, you've, you've seen pictures of them, and then to be there, to be standing where this happened, like things go through your mind. Like at one time, this event was had, this war was happening, this battle was happening, this tragedy was happening. It, it, it's kind of a, a weird feeling to be in that place. Julie and I lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for a while and we drive into Dallas and we drive through Dealey Plaza we've got a picture of that and uh, they're going to throw that up so we we drive through Dealey Plaza and of course this is where John F. Kennedy was shot my parents came out and visited uh, at one point we went to the book depository museum we we stood there you could kind of see the windows so it's kind of quarantined off there for the museum sake but you're in this place that you'd read about you heard about you'd, you you'd seen documentaries on it been in movies you, you saw the grainy black and white footage and you get there and it's not black and white at all right it's like the grass is green and everything's in color and 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 it's different now it's just a street now right? and people are going to work uh, people are coming home from work they're going out to eat they're going to see the Mavs play they're just going about their business just like a normal place and it's weird because you know this wasn't a normal place at a moment in time. There was something, it was something significant and something incredibly tragic that had a huge impact on our nation. It happened happened right here, and I'm standing there. It's, it's different. Um, but we, we took a trip to San Antonio uh, while we lived out there, and we went to the Alamo. And if you've ever been to the Alamo, you know you could miss it. Uh, you walk right by it and not even know it's there. The city's grown up around us. It's Everybody says the same thing. It's not as big as I thought it would be. It's a lot smaller than I thought. John Wayne's not here. Like, what is this? Right? We have all of these things, and you know something significant happened here. Right? People died here. There was a battle here. There was, there was tragedy. There was grief. There was sorrow in this spot, and it's, now it's a city. Now, now there's this, just, this city all around this place, and that's kind of strange. When I was in college, I went to uh, Israel on a college trip, 
And one of the many places that we visited was a place called Masada. And you may have heard of uh, Masada. It's a, it's a mountain range. Sorry, go on there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it, it, it's a mountain where um, Herod the Great built kind of a fortress. This was one of the places he would go to hide out whenever he felt threatened. So, so he would flee to this mountain fortress, and, and that's what it was, that was the purpose for it being built. During the first Jewish-Roman War, there were almost a thousand Jewish people who fled to Masada to avoid the Roman invasion. And, and they lived there, and they camped there, and, and then eventually the Romans, they, they surround this mountain, and they make a passage up to the top. And, and what history tells us is that when the Jewish people saw that the Romans were about to overtake them, they all committed suicide. Uh, and, and with the exception of a few women and children, None of them survived. A few women and children survived and conveyed this story. And, and so you go up to the, the top of this place and you walk around all of these facilities and you know there was a moment right here that was marked by terror. It, 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 it was marked by grief and sorrow. People made some really hard decisions and I can't fathom all the things that went into them making those Decisions, but something awful happened right here. And now it's different. Now it's like, like with most of these places. That place that was once a place of sorrow and tragedy has in some ways become a place of remembrance. It's become peaceful in a sense. In places like Masada, it's an eerie peace. Right, it's it's like uh, Normandy or or Auschwitz. You go to those places and it's not what it was. You know something terrible happened. Pearl Harbor. You visit Pearl Harbor and you know there was an awful day here. There was an awful moment here, and it's it's peaceful. There there are echoes of of what happened here, but it's not the same. The water's calm today. The sun is the sun is shining today. It's a different place. The book of Ezekiel is not one we swim around in a whole lot, right? In our, in our studies, in our daily Bible reading, in, in our preaching, we don't just dive into Ezekiel. So uh, I'm just going to teach the whole book today, if that's okay with you. Um, we'll get out by about 2.30. Um, we're, we're going we're to kind of do a flyby so we get to the end of what happens in Ezekiel. But it is, for the most part, a story of great tragedy. It's a story of great brokenness and, and tremendous grief. Ezekiel can be divided into three sections, not evenly. Uh, the first section takes about half the book, and then, then you get about a quarter of the book and about a quarter of the book. Uh, theologians, commentators, people who write about it, they break it up into more sections because, of course, we make things more complicated than they have to be. But it's really three sections. Uh, Ezekiel, obviously, Old Testament prophet. Uh, there, there is a... A specific moment in the history of Israel that, that I refer to often because it's such a pivotal moment in their life. We've talked about it before, and I, I don't want to be redundant, but to catch us all up, Israel, the nation as a group, uh, had divided itself into two kingdoms, northern and southern. They both, over time, rebelled against God. They both ended up with godless leaders, and turned their hearts away from God, and God allowed 
Babylon that was taking over a lot of the world at that time. God allowed Babylon systematically over a period of time to conquer both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It didn't happen all at once. There's a lot of detail that we're skipping over. But Babylon would come in and they would overtake a portion of Israel and then they would take away captives, especially young men. If you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those stories, they were a part of one of those trips. Babylon comes in, conquers a portion, takes captives away. Daniel and his friends are carried away. Ezekiel was in that, a similar situation. He was 25, around the age of 25. Babylon comes in, Ezekiel is taken. His wife is left, but he is taken away. While in captivity at age 30... God comes to him and says, you're going to be a prophet. You're going to speak for me. You're going to tell people my message. I have some, some things to say to my people. And Ezekiel, you're going to say those things. So in this first section of Ezekiel, Ezekiel explains that, look, this is God's judgment. Right? We disobeyed. Right? The brokenness that we're experiencing, the sorrow that we're experiencing, God gave us opportunity after opportunity. He sent messenger after messenger, and we just continued to move away from him. And this is really the, the consequences of our own decisions. Don't you hate that? Right? Don't you hate experiencing the consequences of your own decisions? And that's, that's what Ezekiel does for the first half. Is like God's righteous and holy. What did we expect? What, what do we expect but God's judgment on us? Um, the, the fun thing, if you go back and read this book, the fun thing is Ezekiel's way of communicating God's message is very theatric. It's very um, uh, dramatic, a little over the top. Uh, at one point, uh, Ezekiel builds a model of Jerusalem and and acts out like God destroying the city, like Ezekiel's Godzilla, and he's coming in and he's destroying. This is what God's going to do. God's going to God's going to destroy things. He at one point God tells him, "I want you to lay on your side for three hundred ninety days," and and then. He gets done with that. God says, okay, let's do the other side just for 40. 390, a little much. Let's do 40 on the other side. This is, this is the sort of theatrical, dramatic. He packs his bag one day as a, as a message to, to Jerusalem out in front of you. He digs through a wall. So God gives him all of these very visual, very dramatic, very theatrical ways of expressing God's message in Ezekiel 10 he has a vision of fiery wheels in the sky maybe you've heard of this one fiery wheels in the sky and there's an angel that's dipping his hand in the fire and spreading it out over uh, Jerusalem and at the end of Ezekiel 10 uh, Ezekiel says and then God has left the building basically right God's presence left us God, God's presence was not in the temple anymore we had so disobeyed God that we had broken relationship with us and God had to withdraw from us because of our own sin. So this is the nature of the first half. God's judgment has come, is coming, is going to continue to come for a little while. The second section is a little bit smaller. And it was Ezekiel saying, oh, we're not the only ones going to experience this. All those nations around us that have been persecuting us... God's, God's bringing judgment on them too. 
It's going to be hard for them to, even though God used some of them to bring his judgment on us, they're not going to get away with it. God's going to judge those people as well. So that's section one. That's section two. Ezekiel begins the final section in chapter 36. And from chapter 36 to the end, his message takes a turn. He begins to tell the people, all of that's terrible. That's not the end of the story. We have experienced great loss and sorrow and, and brokenness. Some of it was our own fault. Some of it maybe you, your family got caught up in the sin of other people. We've all experienced great sorrow and loss, but this is not the end. We have a God who restores broken places. We have a God who mends those who are hurting. We have a God who rebuilds in the midst of debris. We sang about dry bones today. That's chapter 37. That's in this last section. That was, that was a way for Ezekiel to communicate to the people what has been lost and broken and dead. God's about to bring to life. God's about to breathe something new into hard, broken places. Then starting around chapter 40, Ezekiel does his best to cast a vision before the people of a new city that God's going to build. And it's like Ezekiel, he's delivered all of this bad news, all of this hard news, all of this brokenness. And then Ezekiel says, but listen, listen, listen. I, I want you to see that God's doing something new. Can you see it? Can, can you see that God's building walls and God's putting gates in place? Can you see? Can you just think in your mind? Can you get a picture? I know there's rubble. I know we left Jerusalem and everything was falling down and things were piles of smoking rubble. Your house maybe was destroyed. Maybe that's your last image of Jerusalem as you look back and your house was destroyed and that's all you saw of Jerusalem. I want you to picture with me a new city. I want you to say, I want you to hold on to this hope. God is doing something new. And, and Ezekiel got very specific. The wall is going to be this big, and there's going to be this many gates, and the priests are going to live over here, and the temple's going to be like this. And well, he, just, he just started lining up the city as a way to encourage their hearts in the midst of their heartache and their brokenness and their sorrow, as if to say, this isn't the end. God's going to do something new right here, right here, right where we experience sorrow. God, God's going to do something new. In chapter 43, Ezekiel says, and God's presence is going to return. We're going to, we're going to be with God. That, that presence that left at one point, he's going to be back. He's going to be with us. He keeps going. He starts talking about how the land's going to be divided and I know these names don't mean a lot to us but let me just give you a flavor of what he told the people in Ezekiel 48 the last chapter of the book Asher will have one portion it will border the territory of Dan from the east to the west Naphtali will have one portion it will border the territory of Asher from east to west Manasseh will have one portion 
It will border the territory of Naphtali from east to west. Ephraim will have one portion. It will border the territory of Naphtali from east to west. And he goes on and on. You get the picture, right? He sounds like Oprah, right? You get a portion and you get a portion. Everybody gets a portion. And this is Ezekiel. I just, I picture him getting more and more animated to say everything we lost, God's going to give us back. Everything that God had to take from us he's rebuilding everything that life took from us everything that sorrow took from us god's gonna build it back god's gonna build it new god's gonna do something in the place of our sorrows and this is the end this is the pinnacle right here this is the culmination of 48 chapters the story ends with these words and the name of that new city. From that time on will be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. We're talking about how God names himself in the Old Testament or how God allows himself to be named. What do we call you? And Ezekiel, after wading through 48 chapters of information, says, I'll tell you what we're going to call him. We're going to call him the God who's there. The God who's always there. When I feel him and when I don't feel him, he is the God who is there. He is with us. He is restoring. He is rebuilding. He is providing new. He's saying, this is what you lost and I'm going to give you back. This is what was taken and I'm going to provide again. I am the God Who's there? This story, in some ways, kind of mirrors a New Testament story that Jesus told. Remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son left, was in a foreign land. Brokenness, sorrow, but the father was home, right? There was a place where the father dwelt, and all he had to do was come home. That's what Ezekiel's saying. Look, we live in a foreign land right now. We live among brokenness and sorrow. We lost a lot, but we have a God who's there. We have a God who is with us. We have a God who is building and rebuilding and providing. We weren't created for captivity, Ezekiel's telling them. No, this isn't home. This isn't home. This, this brokenness isn't our home God is building something new and he's going to be there this this idea of God being there God being with us it's a theme all throughout the Bible John uh, chapter 1 we're told about Jesus the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us he was there this is the message about God is there he's the God who's there he's not abandoning you he's not leaving you in your own brokenness he is the God who is there John same John is allowed to see into heaven into the future in Revelation 21 and he writes and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying look God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them he will dwell with them from the Old Testament to the future eternity that's the God who's there He's present. He's rebuilding. He's renewing. I like the way Ezekiel said it. Speaking for God, this is in chapter 43. God says, Son of man, 
This, this new place I'm building, this place I'm bringing you to, this is the place of my throne and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the Israelites forever. What a, what a descriptive phrase. This is the place for the soles of my feet. If I come to your house, if you invite me to dinner, I'm not going to take my shoes and socks off and walk around. Right? I'm house trained. You can invite me over. Like, I got manners. I'm not going to just pull my socks and shoes off and start walking around your carpet. But in my house, where I dwell, where I'm comfortable, I walk around barefoot all the time. That carpet has little imprints of my feet in different places. Places where I stand have been worn down. I, why? That's my home. That's where I live. That's where I dwell. We had our couples group over Thursday night. I didn't walk around barefoot. I walked around in socks. Patrick was a little disturbed that my snowman socks were out of season. Didn't care. My house. My house, my feet. Right? My house is a place for the soles of my feet. Because that's where I dwell. God says, I'm, I'm building a place. And I'm going to come be at home in that place. I'm building a city, I'm building a throne room, I'm building a house, and I'm going to be comfortable there. I'm going to settle down there. I'm going to be with you there. And where's there? Where's there? God dwells in the place where there used to be destruction. He dwells in the place that used to be broken, that at one time was full of grief, that one time was full of tragedy, that one time was full of sorrow. Ezekiel says, that's the place God's building a new city. And it, and it wasn't, let's, let's be clear, it wasn't just national tragedy. It wasn't just, well, our nation experienced a bad moment. It was individual tragedy. It was individual tragedy for Ezekiel who lost his own wife. God, God gives him a warning. God gives him a heads up. He says, Ezekiel, there's about to be a battle back home. And your wife's not going to make it. As a matter of fact, the way, the way he's described is, is the delight of your eyes. Ezekiel, the, the, the delight of your eyes is, is going to be taken in this next battle. Ezekiel loved this woman. He'd been separated from her. What Ezekiel experienced was not just the national hurt. Yes, that was true. Ezekiel felt personal sorrow and grief and brokenness. And he stands up in front of the people and says, right there in the middle of that sorrow, God's going to build something new. God's going to do a new work. God's going to build a new city. In the place of tragedy. Because the place of tragedy is not going to be the same anymore after that. It's not going to be there. You're going to stand there in that place and you're going to realize God's done something new here. God's, God's rebuilt something new here. It, that does not mean that you forget all about the tragedy. That's not what I'm saying. That does not mean we do not feel the pains, the sting of that past tragedy anymore. That's still there. 
That doesn't mean we don't learn the lessons from that past tragedy, that past brokenness. We don't carry some of the sorrow. But what it means is we will never go through sorrow or tragedy in this life that God can't build a new city right in the middle of it. That God can't do a new work right in the middle of it. And there'll be a moment, some of us have experienced this at times in our life, it was a moment of loss and brokenness and years later we look back and we're standing in the same place and we know it's the same place but it's not the same place anymore it happened here but God did something here it happened here but God has changed things here right where I am God has built something you know this is the ongoing work of God in our lives he takes the rubble of our cities and he builds something new not from a distance, not standoffish. Like he's not ordering people to do it. He's right in the middle of the rebuilding the whole time. He's right in the middle of the construction the whole time. He's in the process of doing something new right in the place of our sorrow. You know, Ezekiel's message wasn't, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to find a new place to live. That wasn't Ezekiel's message. Now, we're going to sell that. We're going, to, we're going to go someplace we've never been before. We're going to build a city way over there. We're just going to forget all about what happened. We're not going to speak about it anymore. No, Ezekiel says, right where our hearts got broken, God did something new. God, you didn't take it away. That's not what I'm saying. We're not happy that that thing happened. We just know that God came around us and God stepped into our life. God was there in the moment of tragedy and in that spot, He started to do something new in our life. He started to transform us. He started to rearrange things. God is there. And where is there? It's in the place of your greatest sorrow. God is there. It's in the place of your greatest tragedy. He is the God who is there. It's, it's in the place of your greatest regret. God is the God who's there. And he's building a city. He, it's in the, the, the place where you were the most wrong or you were the most wronged. God is there and he's building a city. It is in the place that you were the most disappointed God is there. And he's building a new city. It's in the place where you felt the most abandoned in your life. God is there and he's building a city. We know on this side of the cross that we are the city, right? That's what God's building. God's building us to be the place where he dwells. We don't, we don't have a temple in the sense that they had a temple in the Old Testament. We are that. Paul asked this rhetorical question in 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Right at your place of brokenness. God's building a city. God's raising you up. And, and, and we're at all extremes of that this morning, right? Some of us 
Some of us are in the city. We're in the new city, and we're, and we're thinking, man, I saw God do it. I saw God restore and rebuild. And some of us are in the construction phase, aren't we? We know God's at work. We're, we're, we've got a little distance between us and the tragedy. We see God at work. We don't see the city yet. We're not feeling the city yet, but we sense God at work. And some of us, let's be honest, we're standing surrounded by rubble right now. Surrounded by brokenness. Wondering, what is this mess going to be, going to become? And if I could just be Ezekiel in your life for a moment, I would say, can't you see? Don't give up. Can't you see that God is building a city with your life? Can't you see that God is restoring and refurbishing and making new in your life, even if you don't feel it right now? I mean, Ezekiel's audience was resistant to this message. Ezekiel's audience, their reaction was, you got to be kidding me. We saw how messed up it was. And Ezekiel kept saying, there's a city coming, there's a city coming, there's a city coming, and God is there. And this story is such a, it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel because we, through our own disobedience, we, we separated ourselves from God, God's presence God, our relationship with God was broken. Because of our sin, we moved into captivity and bondage to sin and death and judgment but God knew that's not your home that's not the city you were meant to live in and so in Christ came Christ who lived and died and rose again and gave us a new way a new city a new place to dwell that we could be reunited in relationship with our heavenly Father, because our spiritual city had been rebuilt through faith in Jesus. Jesus even says to his disciples, you remember, right at the end, he said, um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there's a lot of rooms. We, we've, been, we've been building things. And then you're going to dwell where I am. We're going to dwell together. Like this image of it's hard right now. It's dark right now. Things are falling apart. You don't understand right now, but God is building something new. This imagery is all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. And whoever you are, that, that, that you're walking through the rubble right now. I'm not saying that's unimportant. I'm not trying to get you to ignore that or say, well, it's not that big a deal. I'm just, I'm telling you, from the words of a prophet from thousands of years ago, the rubble doesn't get the last say in your life. God's building a city for you. God's making things new for you. God's transforming the worst of things, not to ignore it, but right there where it happened. And one day, like standing in Dealey Plaza, walking out to Pearl Harbor you're going to know this was a mess at one time but God did something new right in your home that you're not real sure about right now right there God wants to do something new in your marriage 
that you're wondering whether you're going to make it or not, right there in that place, God is there. With that kid that you have struggled with and you are worried about, right there, God is at work today. Can you see it? Can, can, you, can you just see it for a minute? God, thank you. And you are the God who is there. Because we experience a lot of theirs in our life. And some of them are hard and broken and messed up. But you're building a city. Not to take us away, but to give us hope to endure. God, help us to hear that message today. Those who are grieving, those who are struggling. Those in whose lives walls have collapsed and, and cities have been overrun. May the words of Ezekiel echo down through his history. You are the God who's right there. Right there. Do your building in us. Do your renewal in us. Let us be hopeful for the day when we stand in that city. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we're, we're going to sing about a God that's able. He, he, he's able to build. He's there. And you're welcome to, to stand and to sing. You're welcome to come pray to Him. You're, you're welcome to just have a few moments of feeling His presence. But He's here right now. He's the God who's there. He's here right now. Thank you, God. Come and move in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.